what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? It's not really the point of this uh, commercial. I don't know if you remember seeing this. Uh, it's maybe 10 or 15 years old. But um, what are you thinking about? Um, you know, it's funny. As, as we were worshiping, I was noticing, you know, in the old, old cartoons and stuff, if somebody had an idea, a light bulb would come on above their head or whatever, and I'm noticing the light bulbs out. That doesn't mean I'm not thinking about anything. <laughs> what are we thinking about? Uh, what thoughts are we allowing to fill our minds? Uh, are we choosing them? Or are they just random, um, random thoughts, ran- random voices that are just kind of monopolizing our thought life? Those are the questions that we want to consider today as we go through this next part of the book of Philippians. Um, we're nearly through Philippians. We're in chapter 4. Uh, last week we spoke uh, mostly on 6 and 7, and we were talking about worry and anxiety and on peace. And uh, as we went through that, we read that we're not supposed to worry or be anxious about anything, but instead of worry, with a thankful heart, we pray. With a, with a prayer of faith, we pray. We choose to put our trust in God and cast our cares on Him because He's able and because He cares for us. We know that He doesn't want us to carry those things. And then once we release those worries to God, then we experience the peace of God that will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. As we live in Christ Jesus. As we abide in Him and as He abides in us by His Holy Spirit. Then, after entrusting our cares to God, our minds are free to think about other things. And as we read in verse 8, last week we read, and and verse 8 is going to be kind of our key verse today, but we read it last week, we briefly touched on what uh, what it is that we should be thinking about. And today, like I said, we're going to dig into that much more. So what are we thinking about? Philippians 8 and 9 It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Uh, I'd like to start today by reminding you of two definitions that I I shared last time. Um, One is the definition for the word that's translated either worry or anxious, and then the other word is the word that's translated fix your thoughts or to think about. So the word for worry is a Greek word marinaho. It comes from two words meaning to tear apart and divide, and the second part means your mind. And so it's, it's to have divisions in your mind. It's to have this, this battle between different thoughts, different com, kind of competing thoughts in your mind. Uh, I'm sure many of you have experienced how hard it is to be productive if you've got a battle like that going on in your mind where you're worried about something. Your mind is consumed with something. Uh, it's even harder if whatever task you're trying to do requires some concentration and some thought. Um, now, the, the analogy that I... I thought of when I was thinking about this uh, has, has to do with my workbench and my tools. Um, if that's not really your thing, you can think about kitchen countertops, you can think about office space, your desk or whatever, uh, whatever it is that, that, uh, that you're familiar with. But at home, I have several workbenches. Uh, at least they're supposed to be workbenches. Um, <laughs> they, they never seem to stay workbenches for very long. 
Uh, they end up becoming storage benches or catch-all benches. Uh, there have been times that I've gone out to the pole shed and I've kind of thought about what do I want to keep, what do I want to get, get rid of, um, the things that I'm going to keep, you know, where do I want to store them so I could find them, what, what stuff am I going to use the most often that I want to keep you know, at easy reach so that I have them uh, readily available when I need them. And when I have spent the time to make my workspace clean, then when life happens, when something breaks or there's a project I want to do, uh, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal to go and take care of it. I'm, I feel able to do it. I don't, I don't get you know, anxious or worried about it because I'm prepared. And so it seems easy. Sometimes I even enjoy fixing something or building something when it's all ready to go, when I, I, I feel able. But uh, when it's been a while since I've turned my attention to my workbench and it's got covered with things and maybe my tools haven't been put back where they're supposed to be um, and everything's kind of out of order, there's junk uh, piled up, then all of a sudden I need to do a simple repair and I go out there and there's a little bit of anxiety just in like, oh, where did I put that tool? You know, where am I going to be able to find what I need? Like, I need some space here, and where am I going to put this? Because I already set it on my chair, you know, other things. And so, anyway, <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets messy and it gets difficult when we allow our workbenches to get filled up. Our mind can be like that. We can let things sit on the workbench of our mind that serve no benefit. Uh, they just take up space and keep us from doing the good that God wants to do either in us or through us. It can make even small issues in life when they happen seem like they're enormous and, and they, they can seem overwhelming. Before we can be able to think about the good, which is what verse 8 is, is thinking about good things, before we can think about the good, uh, we have to choose to trust God with the things we can't control. We have to take the, those worries and those things that don't belong on our workbench and, and set them aside because they wreak havoc in our mind and they, they take up space that keeps us from being able to think about what is good and, and what God has planned for us. Now, the second word that I want to talk about is the word logizomai. Logizomai, and that, that is the word where we get uh, our word logic or logical. Um, it means to reason to a logical conclusion. It's, it's nearly the opposite of worry. If worry is tearing apart and dividing and having pieces kind of in our mind, um, this is kind of taking all the information, sorting through it, getting rid of what's false, and standing firm on what is true, making a decision on what truth is. It's having our mind in order in a way that we're prepared for whatever life throws at us. In verse 8, it gives us direction on how to order our mind so that we can recognize uh, what we should throw away and what we should keep. Back to Philippians 4, 8, um, says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is not a list of specific things that you should think about, but it's um, a standard of, that we should judge any thought that, that we have in our mind. Is it something that is one of those things? If we're going to maintain the peace in our hearts and minds that we received when we, when we cast our cares on God, we have to have this standard so we know what we're going to allow to go back in. We don't want to let more garbage cover up our workbench again. So by having this standard in our mind, it, it acts as a filter to keep us from allowing more stuff 
to crowd and cover our workbench. Proverbs uh, 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Sounds important. The course of your life, right? Uh, just like when we hear the word heart in the New Testament, um, it, it means, in the Old Testament, in Proverbs, when we see it, it means the same thing. It has to do with your inner man. It's not, you know, your beating heart. It's, it's your mind. It's your will. It's your affections. It's, it's who you are. And so when we fix our minds on the things that are good or, or bad, really, um, if we come to a logical conclusion on them, they become part of who we are. What we think about becomes part of who we are. I heard a pastor uh, say something like, like this last week. He said, information that we focus on can become a belief. And a belief that we fix our minds on becomes a conviction. And a conviction that we apply becomes an affection. Information becomes belief. Belief becomes conviction. Conviction becomes affection. And I would add to that that our convictions and our affections determine the course of our life. So what we think about, we give power to. We give power over, over the direction of our life. It's going to guide what we prioritize. It's going to guide how we react to life's situations. Um, it's going to guide what decisions we make when we have a choice. If you think about things that worry you and that are out of your control, it's going to paralyze you. So when you're trying to figure, you know, you're trying to go through your course of life and you're headed in a direction, if you're thinking about worrisome things, it's going to paralyze you so you can't move towards the, the direction that you want to go or the direction God wants you to go. If, if your thoughts are on the nice car and the cool toys that your neighbor has, um, it's going to steal your joy. It's going to steal your contentment. It's going to cause you to not have gratitude to God for what he's given you. And it may cause you to choose to waste your time um, chasing after more money. Um, you might lose energy. You might lose relationships because you're spending all of your focus going in that direction. If you fix your thoughts on, on women or men that are not your spouse, it can lead to lust. It can lead to adultery. Uh, it can, at a minimum, it can lead to the de deterioration of your marriage. Guard your mind your will, and your affections, for it determines the course of your life. It's going to determine where you're headed. It's going to, it, it determines your future, what you focus your thoughts on. Romans 8, 5 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. What are we thinking about? Are those thoughts pleasing to the Spirit? Are they pleasing to the Spirit? When we try to answer that question, it kind of lets us know who's in control of our lives. Uh, only a life that's controlled by the Spirit can bring glory to God and can lead us in peace. Um, thinking about what, uh, whether it pleases the Spirit. You know, have you ever been around somebody when they, um, they're talking and maybe you've heard them talk about the same thing twice, once with the person in the room that they're talking about and once with the person not in the room and they might 
change a little bit about how they say certain things if it's critical because the person's in the room. Now, the tricky thing with God is, is he's always in the room, right? <laughs> so he's always standing there. He, he doesn't just hear our words, but he knows our thoughts and, and he even knows the intents of our hearts, our heart. Um, I thank God that he has grace and mercy for us and for me specifically because I know what my thoughts are and I know sometimes my thoughts are not pleasing to the Spirit. Uh, sometimes I have um, failed to listen as he reminds me to guard my heart. Sometimes I've failed to establish some of the things that are true or honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable so that they're in close reach so that I can use them to, to remember to block out what is not good and so I can recognize it as not good right away and not wait a little bit down the thought process before I kick the thought out. Um, we have to think about those things that are good so that they're on the forefront of our mind. They're not back in a back cabinet. They're at close reach, right in the middle of our workbench. Have we hidden those thoughts in our hearts so that we can guard our hearts? Uh, last week, Angie shared a story about... Um, well, her daughter Ava went to camp with us a couple weeks ago, and she, Ava had shared with her one of the things that stood out to her from camp, and it was that one of the camp speakers, and I, like I said, we talked about this last week, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again because it was, it was good and it applies here. We, we, he, was, he had a Bible in his hand, and he was um, talking about the Bible with the kids just that there's, you know, the information that's in there. And he specifically started asking questions that are found in different parts of the Bible. You know, do you know what it says in the book of law? And he asked a specific question and a lot of the kids didn't know the answer. And so he took that section and he tore it out and threw it on the floor and the kids gasped. And then he asked a question about um, something that was in the Proverbs and they didn't know. So he grabbed that section and pulled it out and the kids gasped. And, uh, and then he said, even if, you, even if you knew the answers, even if it's in your mind and, and you're not allowing it to, to guide your life, if it's not controlling how you act, you know, it's still not of any real value. And he grabbed it and he tore it out and the kids gasped. But then he responded saying, why does it matter if all it is is a book that just sits on the shelf getting dusty then it's just paper and ink if it's not read. And if we haven't made, it, uh, if we haven't made those words home in our heart, if they're, if they're just in our mind and we haven't actually put them in our heart and applied them, then what value do they have to us? Just having information is not enough. Even having uh, just belief is not enough. You can believe something and not allow it to affect what you do. I don't know if you've ever um, heard a story or uh, seen a movie where there's a prisoner in jail and he uh, finds a spoon or something and over years he digs a tunnel out of the prison, you know, under the wall and is able to escape. Now, he didn't dig that hole just because he believed he could do it. He did it because of conviction. That was an accidental joke, but it was... <laughs> But I, I recognized it when I, when I wrote it. But <laughs> but, uh, but he, it, that, that tunnel, that desire became his affection. It became his passion. It, it determined the course of his life. That thought was not just a belief. It was a conviction. 
Um, a missionary doesn't choose to go to a third world country or venture into the rainforest to minister to cannibals because they believe it's a good thing to do. I think a lot, most of us believe that that's a good thing to do, to go and reach the, the unreached. Um, but none of us are doing that because it's not, it's not our conviction. It's not something that God has put in our hearts and established as, as the course of our life of where we're headed. So as we fix our minds on either the bad or the good, they can become convictions and affections that guide our lives. So what are we thinking about? Studies have shown, and, and I have no idea how they do a study like this, but they say, whoever they are, that on average, we think 70,000 thoughts a day. 70,000 thoughts. Uh, I have to imagine that most of those are not planned thoughts. I know I did not plan 70,000 thoughts. Um, they're, they're unintentional. They, uh, they're because somebody said something and we think about it, or we drive past something and we think about it. Uh, we see something in our house that needs attention and we think about it. I notice the light bulb is out, you know, <laughs> during worship and I'm, and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, stop thinking about that. Um, <laughs> but it worked in my sermon, because the idea. Uh, but then there are times uh, when they are intentional. When we're working on a project at home, uh, we surround ourselves with all the materials that we need um, for working in the office, we, we have our files and our emails open and we're reading them. We've surrounded ourselves with the things that we're working on so that we can think about those things. We've, we've purposed to think on those things. There are times that we have that control of our environment, that control of our thoughts. Um, sometimes even when we're not doing a specific thing, we can kind of guide our thoughts by choosing what kind of music we listen to as we're driving around or choosing what kind of podcasts or YouTube channels we follow. Um, when we are at home, we can choose to carve out time so we can sit down with our Bible and a notebook and we can meditate. We can think about what does God's word say and what does that mean in my life? Well, how does that apply? How can I establish that in my heart in a way that it will determine the course of my life so that I can remain with peace, with a God of peace, living in peace in Christ? We have to establish these standards in our hearts and minds. Um, Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season with their leaves never withering, and they prosper in all they do. They delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. They find times to have uh, more than just a passing thought about God's word, but they meditate on it and they think about it in a way that it uh, becomes part of who they are. And we know that it becomes part of who they are because it says that it causes them to bear fruit in season. It causes them to prosper in all they do. It is determining the course of their life. And it's because they are fixing their thoughts on God's word. 
And God's word is the perfect reflection of the description that we see in Philippians 4.8. God's word is what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So we're going to look at some of these descriptions and dig into to which, what they mean a little bit more. I don't have time to dig deep into all of them, but we're going to dig into, uh, dig into them to some degree. The, the first couple a little bit more, because um, especially the first one I think is, is first for a reason. Um, I know I talk about truth. The first one is think about what is true. And, uh, and I know I've, I talk about truth from time to time, but the Bible keeps bringing it up, so I figure... It must be important, so I'm going to keep on talking about it. Um, like I said, I think it's first on the list for a reason, because truth is foundational. If Whether you're building a, a business, a friendship, or a marriage, it's not going to last if it's not based on truth. And we know that truth is under attack today, but truthfully, it's always been under attack. Um, in the very beginning, when Satan tempted Eve... The first thing he did was try to get her to question what God said, to, to question whether or not what he said was really true. Now, when somebody's trying to tell you something that's, um, tell you something is true, even if it's not, when they try and tell you it and you really want to believe it, it's pretty easy to believe. And that's what's hap- happened with Eve. She wanted to believe what Satan was saying because she desired the fruit. She wanted to eat that fruit. And so... Um, it made it easy for her to dis- to believe what he said because it got her what she wanted, and it's hard. Um, it's not hard to decide to trust somebody what somebody's saying if it's going to get you what you want. Um, when we hear a convenient lie, and we have not filled our heart, or not just our heads, but filled our hearts with the truth, we can begin to think that the lie. Uh, we can begin to think about the lie, and we can begin to establish that as our belief. We can begin to believe that and allow that to determine the course of our lives. So as we go through these words, um, the description of what we think about, uh, we should remember the context of this verse. This verse is sandwiched between uh, verses 7 and 9. 7 talks about having peace in Christ, and verse 9 talks about God being the God of peace. So... This description of what thoughts result in peace is a description of God himself. Like I said, in verse 7, it, it talks about Christ. We have peace in Christ. And then the, that's the Son, and we have the Father in verse 9, and it, it talks about that the God of peace will be with us. And then the Holy Spirit, um, in John 15, I, was, I thought this was really cool because speaking of truth especially, It says, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and he says he's going to send us the comforter, the comforter. And I just thought, I mean, that's a description of peace. When you feel comforted, you're at peace. And Jesus is going to send us the comforter or counselor who is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of truth. There's comfort when you're living in truth. When you know that your life, your actions, your convictions, your purpose are not based on deception or on the changing of cultural norms, but on God's truth that is the same yesterday, it's the same today, it's the same forever. We don't have to, you know, I was thinking about, this is not in here, but I was thinking about these celebrities and stuff that kind of get hit by cancel culture because they, they said something many years ago and a 
back then it was appropriate by cultural norms, and then they've changed, and now all of a sudden they're, they're catching flack because of something that they said uh, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. Um, we can stand on the truth of the word. We don't have to apologize for anything we say if we're standing on the truth of the word because it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, if, they, if they were okay with it yesterday but not okay with it today, it doesn't matter to me because I know it's truth. But uh, when we continue on uh, in chapter 16, it, Jesus goes on to say that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us in all truth. So he says he's our, the, the word that's used comforter, some translations will say comforter, some will say counselor, some will say teacher, um, but he will guide us in all truth. He will, he will guide us in all truth. We're not doing this on our own, when we're meditating on the word, when we're thinking about what it says, when we're thinking about what is uh, true and honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, um, if we pause and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, he will guide us in all truth. He will help us figure out how to apply it or, or help us to distinguish between what is truth and what is false. Continuing on, um, what is honorable? We have to think about what is honorable. What is worthy of honor? Uh, when we think about honoring somebody, uh, sometimes we will honor graduates when they graduate from high school because of their, their determination and their hard work. Um, we honor soldiers because of their service for our country, risking their lives for, for the people back at home. Um, the Bible lists parents as people that should be honored because they care for us and they train us and they work hard to provide for us. Um, so those of us who are currently, maybe have kids around or even if you have grown kids, as parents, we need to think about uh, how can we train up or how can we encourage our children in a way that would bring honor to God? Something that we could think about. We're trying to decide what to think about. Um, elders in the church, uh, it says, uh, are worthy of honor, especially when they do well at their work. Um, and it says that especially those who, who preach or teach, so elders, in, including myself, we have to think about how are we serving? Are we serving the church well? Are we, are we serving in a way that's going to bring honor to God? And so those are things we have to think about. The Bible says uh, we should honor our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so that includes, includes all of us. Um, when we think about who's a brother and sister in Christ, uh, we think about the fact that they are uh, valued by God, that they are made in his image, that they are, um, that they are, they're filled with the, the Holy Spirit and, and God has a, has, a, has a purpose and a plan for them and he's made them the way they are. And so uh, we want to honor them as, as God's creation, as God's children. And, uh, and in Romans 12, it says, that we should try and outdo each other in honoring each other. We should try and outdo each other in honoring each other. I thought, wow, if we, if we just took that one nugget of truth and put that in the center of the pegboard above our workbench, like that would keep us uh, from a lot of things that steal our peace. You know, we would have a lot more peace if we just had that one nugget of always trying to outdo each other by honoring one another. Thinking about what is honorable is thinking about things that are serious. It's thinking about things that have some gravity to them. 
Um, there are some people that have no desire to talk about anything serious. I don't know if you've been around people like that. I used to work with a guy. One guy specifically pops into my head that when we'd, we'd be standing in a circle talking about stuff, if the conversation got to anything serious, anything that wasn't the weekend and recreational plans, he just kind of tuned out and would, would turn around and walk away from that. He, he didn't want to talk about anything serious. Um, If our whole life is focused on the weekend and on rest and recreation, we're not thinking about things that are honorable. Like, they're just fun. They're not really worthy of honor. Um, God created us for more than that. We can have fun, but as God's children, he has amazing, life-changing work for us to be a part of. Things that we can do that we can look back on and uh, we won't be ashamed of the way we spent our life, the way we the way we used our talents. We can look back and rejoice in them. We look at. I mean, we've talked about this all through Philippians, seeing how Paul rejoiced in the word of God being spread. He, that was his treasure. You know, it it wasn't in fishing. You know, I'm, he probably did fish from time to time, but he rejoiced in the work that he was able to do for the Lord. Um, so think about what is important, what is honorable, what is something that. That, uh, that God has for you to do that's serious, that, that has some gravity to it. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come. The next thing is uh, think about what is right. Some translations uh, say what is just. Think about what God's laws are, his commands are, so that when temptation comes, we know what is right. Um, and it has become more than just information or head, but it's become a conviction. If it's just information in our heads, we can sometimes um, be tempted, know that we're not supposed to do something, but do it anyways because it's not a conviction, it's just knowledge. Uh, David said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart, not, in, not just in my mind, but in my heart so that I might not sin against you. He has fixed his mind on what is right. Think about what is pure, when we think about God and his holiness and his purity, it helps us to identify the impurities in our life. We're called to live holy just as God is holy. Uh, we, we continue to strive towards that in order for us to be refined, in order for us to um, recognize those impurities, we have to understand who God is. We have to understand what holiness is. And so we have to lock the God's standard of purity into our hearts. We're supposed to think about what is lovely. Uh, the word that's used for lovely here, this is the, the Greek word, this is the only place that it's used. I didn't actually write down what it is, but this is the one place in the scriptures that you'll find this word for lovely. And it says, uh, it, it's a word that means things that are worthy of personal affection or something that is worth the effort to have and embrace. Something that is worthy of affection, something that is worth the effort to have and embrace. So are you giving your affections to something that's not worthy of affection? Something that's not pure, something that's not right. What are we giving our affections to? Think about what we are calling lovely and treating as lovely. And lastly, the last thing to think about is to think about what is admirable. These things, uh, these are things that are of, uh, well reported of, they are reputable. It says, uh, don't, think about things, don't think about things that you'd be embarrassed about, right? right. Um, I'm saying um a lot today. 
Um, uh, instead, think about things that would please the Spirit. So don't think about things that you'd be embarrassed of. Instead, think about things that would please the Spirit because those are the things that are going to determine the course of your life. Whatever you think about, whatever you give power to is going to determine the course of your life. When we think about these things, um, and these things are really the character traits of God, they become tools that can keep us from worry, they can keep us from fear, they can keep us from hopelessness, and they are tools that connect us to the God of peace. They remind us of why we can rejoice always. When we know who God is and we've established those truths in us, we know why we can rejoice always. We, we have this confidence, we have this boldness, we, have, we feel able in the Lord, right? Because our strength is in the Lord, right? In our weakness, we're made strong. The Lord is our strength. And when we have established the Lord, when we establish the truths of God in our hearts, um, we have peace, we have confidence. Josh McDowell, in his book, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, he said, the heart cannot rejoice in what the mind cannot accept. The heart cannot rejoice in what the mind cannot accept. If we don't think about things until we've established or accepted them in our hearts, we can't rejoice in them. And on the, on the flip side, um, if our hearts and our minds and our affections, if, if in our hearts and minds and affections we have accepted the standard of what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, then we can rejoice in the Lord always. So what are we thinking about? Have you found times and places that you can think about the word of God, you can think about what's in the Bible until you believe them, and then think about the things that you believe until they become convictions, and, and think about those convictions until you figure out how, how they would affect your day-to-day -day life or, or allow them to affect your day-to-day -day life, because they will determine the course of your life. And have you experienced the blessings that come from walking in that, the peace that comes from walking that in, in a way that you can say as the psalmist did in Psalms 119, he said, oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Oh, how I love your instructions. When we, when we, find, these, when we find these instructions in, instilled in our hearts and they're guiding us and they're keeping us from worry and fear and all these other things, we fall in love with them. They become, these convictions become our affections. And we, and we can say, oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we, we want to honor you. We call you Lord. <laughs> we call you King in the songs that we sing. Uh, we want to place you on the throne of our heart. We want your words, your standards to be implanted into our hearts in a way that, that we become like you, that we become holy like you are holy, that we, um, that we bring glory to you as, Jesus, as the son, Jesus, when he was on earth, brought glory to the Father and all that he did. We desire to put those same standards that, that embody who Jesus is into our hearts so that we can bring glory and honor to you, Lord. Uh, the world is full of uh, lies and deceptions that want to make their way into our hearts. 
they, they're, the, they're ways that lead to death, right? They're la- ways that lead to bondage and chains, but God has a way that leads to truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so um, whatever lies the world may be speaking to you, there is a truth hidden between the mm. of your Bible that counteracts that lie, that sets you free, that gives you peace. So um, just want to encourage you in that. Find the truth. Find what is good and implant it in your hearts. I'm going to close with Psalms uh, 19, 7 through 11. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence of the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The law of the Lord, the laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to you. They're a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. Amen. What are we thinking about? It's going to affect where you're headed. It's going to affect the course of your life. So as you go, go in the counsel of the spirit of truth, fixing your thoughts on Jesus and in fellowship with the God of peace. Amen.